In this episode, we're going to continue our conversations from the DEA conference on fentanyl that I attended. One of the people I met there was Shannon Sayers, who had no idea about fentanyl until a year ago, when her life was tragically turned upside down by two devastating events. Now we know that it's not just something that is killing musicians and is used in medical treatment, but is out on the streets killing unsuspecting people. Shannon's daughter thought she was taking Oxycontin. Instead, it was a deadly dose of fentanyl. She never wanted fentanyl in this case, but she also never believed that she would buy something from somebody and it would kill her like it did. But that's just the beginning of this family's grief. Less than a month later, Shannon's stepson also died in an unusual death from fentanyl. I think we're all coping this way we... One day at a time. Yeah, yes, one day at a time. Hear the family's unique grief story and message to other, along with why Shannon's daughter's death led to her stepson's overdose. I'm Angela Kennecke. This is Grieving Out Loud. I started this podcast along with my charity, Emily's Hope, after my 21-year-old daughter, Emily, died from fentanyl poisoning. I hope by raising awareness, we can decrease the death toll from the opioid epidemic. Each episode, we share stories of loss, resilience, and hope in the face of the devastating impact of addiction. Join us as we work to break the stigma, support those who are struggling, and create a brighter future for our communities. Shannon and Angel, thank you so much and welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate the fact that you're talking to me today. And I am so sorry, Shannon, for your losses. Losing first your daughter and then your stepson within weeks of each other this year. And you're talking to me already, which is quite amazing. So thank you for doing that. What led up to these tragic deaths in your family? Well, my daughter came to me November-ish of last year and said that she had been dating this guy and he got her some oxys and then got her started on fentanyl. In November? Yeah. Of 2021? 21. 21. As a teenager or in her 20s, had she ever used no. drugs before? No. 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 Not that you know. Not, not that I know, but we were pretty close. She could come to me for anything. And, I mean, she did this time. She came to me and told me that her boyfriend got her started on fentanyl. Like and, actually taking fentanyl? Yeah. And did you know what fentanyl was? I didn't. No, I didn't know. Not until she said it to me. I said, well, what is fentanyl? And, and she said, you know, pain or... An opioid, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you got to get away from it. You're getting him out of your house. And we made that happen the next day. I think you were lucky that you were able to succeed in getting him out of her life because Emily was highly influenced. My daughter was highly influenced by a boy starting at age 16. And they didn't actually break up until three weeks before her death. Oh, wow. And by then, and I could never, ever remove her from him. 
he had such control over her right away, it seemed like. Along with Shannon, Shannon's sister Angel sat down with us for this podcast. She says that in the short four months Phoenix dated that boyfriend, she noticed a huge change in her niece. And he treated her badly. And, you know, I spoke with her and was like, hey, I noticed that you're not looking so great and you're not happy. You're not happy. And what's going on? You know, thinking that there was maybe some more going on there than we thought. And she knew that we were aware, but not quite ready to admit things. But when she did, she was full on committed to changing her life. After admitting her drug use, Phoenix began using Suboxone, a treatment for opioid addiction. The medication works by blocking the receptors in the brain that trigger cravings without activating the receptors that elicit a high. It was a weak supply that they gave her, and she cut it in half and then in force and got herself away from the fentanyl. So she kind of weaned herself off of Suboxone. Yeah. And also opioids at the same time. Yeah. Because I, I am the mom that hovers. I checked in on her every day, every night. She only lived three minutes away from me, so it wasn't hard to drive by and see what was going on if needed. And if she called me crying or if she called me and I didn't answer and I called back, I still drove by her house. And I could just tell that she was doing good. She was getting her life back, getting her responsibilities, and that boy was out of her life. We made sure of that. She looked better. She had a more better aspect in life. She just had her personality went back to normal. Sure, because um, they changed. And Angel, had you been observing all this? Did you see all this? A little bit. She, afterwards, um, excuse me. I'm supposed to be here for support. So afterwards, she... <laughs> Angel's here for support, but you're both early. <laughs> you're both grieving and you're, you're early in this grief. I mean, these deaths just happened in May and June, so... Yeah, so afterwards, Phoenix came to me and explained to me what happened. And we talked about it. We talked about choices and every day is a new day. Every day is a new day to make a new choice. And she had really kind of gone back to her old self and started enjoying friends again and and her life again so we thought that she was for the most part you know doing well despite making significant progress in her battle against substance use disorder phoenix's story still ended tragically she had gone to a concert and she had friends that she was hanging out with. And she asked someone she knew, which was her stepbrother, to get her some oxy. And then she was found a day and a half later in her bed. Was it a pill? Yes. Yeah. So they, they found fake oxys right by her. 100% fentanyl? Yeah. Yeah. How many do you think she took? She bought 10 pills from him. From her stepbrother? Yeah. So she had gotten these 
fake oxys from her stepbrother that were 100% fentanyl. She took some. She was alone. Yeah, she had a friend over for um, most of the night. Most of the so she was found on a Sunday. She had a concert on a Friday. She had a friend over that night or most of the day the next day. And the friend left and said, hey, we're going to meet up later. And they didn't end up meeting up later. And her roommate checked on her late in the day the next day, thinking that she was just sleeping in and, you know, sleeping off a fun day the day before. And found her kind of late afternoon the next day. So we don't know kind of what happened. Right. Her friend leaving and her roommate finding her. But we do know that she took at least one oxy. And it doesn't take much to yeah. kill. And did you know her stepbrother was using? Uh, no. The puzzle pieces didn't start fitting together until after he passed away. Right. Which is, is just like insane. Yeah. So she dies. She got the drugs from him. Yes. He must have been racked with guilt. Yeah. Because when her detectives told us anything, any information. We told our kids. We told him when he was about to get picked up because the detectives said that they had somebody. They had video of him in her car. They had the transactions at the ATM. So law enforcement had tracked down. He hadn't come forward and said, no, he didn't come forward. We, I had her cell phone and laptop so I had access to our accounts and I noticed that there was an ATM transaction so I called the detectives and said look this is on her account and so maybe you could check the ATM so they went to the gas station and got the videos and ATM transaction so Ricky your stepson provided her with the pills but he doesn't say that he doesn't confess it no and the police figure it out. Yes. And they tell you. They didn't tell us until the day until after. after Ricky was found. Yeah. So you had no idea. No, they told us that they had, that they knew who they were going to charge, who they were going to pick up. But you didn't know it was your stepson. No. Her stepbrother. No. Wow. So of course, Shannon told the family, yo, they're going to come close. They're coming close to finding the guy. Yeah. They have his fingerprints. They have his video. They have video of him in his, in her car, transactions, text messages, telling our kids this, including Ricky. Ricky was secretly struggling with the guilt of unknowingly giving his loved one a deadly drug. His mental anguish became so strong it led him to make a terrible decision, end his life with the same batch of drugs that killed his stepsister. Did he die from fentanyl? Fentanyl? Yes. So, but you think it was intentional because he obviously knew what had happened and knew he the dots that Phoenix had taken something that he thought was oxy that was really fentanyl and had access to it and took it himself. So, at what point did you find out that it was him that had provided the pills to Phoenix? The next day. After his death? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just tragedy upon tragedy. Okay, so this is going to sound weird because I know it's difficult to be angry with a dead person. But are you angry with Ricky? No. You're not. I mean, I'm just, 
I'm angry at both of them because they came to me. Yes. They both knew that they could come to me and talk to me about anything. And they both have previously. You know, Phoenix came to me and told me about her boyfriend getting her on him. Ricky's came to me on occasions with things. And they, they know that they don't have to hide stuff from me. So I just wish that somebody would have spoke up. I think there's so much collateral damage when one person dies of fentanyl poisoning. It's like the people that provided the fentanyl are guilty. The people around them feel like they can't go on. I had a friend whose son died of fentanyl poisoning, and she later completed suicide. She couldn't live with it, right? So I think about how it's like a ripple effect in the water. You know, this one death, Phoenix's death, and there's this ripple effect. I mean, your whole family must be affected. Yes. The question that you just asked me, I've heard it a couple times. But I don't see Ricky as a drug dealer. I think he was just that middleman person. That Oh, sure. He wasn't a high-level operating. Oh, no. no. No, there's a difference. Yeah. yeah Had Ricky struggled with substance use? We don't think so. Yeah. Um, no, he was not a pill... <laughs> No, he didn't. Mm -hmm. But he had a good friend who was a dealer. And so I think Phoenix knew that Ricky could get access, but not that he, you know, regularly carried pills and sold them. And then hence the guilt, you know. Right. What an awful story. What an awful story. Yes. And I am so sorry. How is the rest of your family coping? How are you coping, Angel, and everyone else in your family? I think we're all coping this way. We, It's one day at a time. Yeah. Yes. One day at a time. But to have two losses like that back to back, especially under those circumstances, it's just, it's more than one person should really have to bear. And if it weren't for fentanyl, they'd be here. They'd they be didn't here. ask for fentanyl. Oh, yeah. Phoenix thought she was taking something else. Yeah. We know that. So she may have asked for that, but she didn't ask for something that would kill her, like, instantly. Right, right. And did Ricky have any kids? Ricky had a one-year-old daughter. Because he was 28, a one-year-old? Yeah. Alana. (laughs) Alana. See, I think also people forget about the children left behind. Yeah. In these circumstances. What is getting you through your days? Shannon. My other grandbabies there. So you're focusing on who you have left. I try to. I have to have somebody there to give me something to do. Somebody to play with the grandbabies. Otherwise, I'll just sleep in. Depression. Yeah. Depression. And that's, I think that's perfectly normal. I think it goes from shock to depression. And it takes time to find acceptance. Acceptance that they're gone. Because that idea that they're gone and they're not coming back is so hard to take. Time does help ease the intensity of the grief. It doesn't take away the grief, but it helps to ease the intensity. And I know that's hard for someone who's only six months out or so to even think it's possible that life can have any kind of joy in it again, that life can get better I think, though, if you take it one minute at a time, think about I'm okay right now in the moment. In the next 10 minutes, I'm only going to focus on that. And you try not to live in the past or live in the future. 
it's cliche these days, but to live in the now, I think is the only way you really survive. Yeah. And it sounds like you and Phoenix were sort of attached at the hip. So yeah, it's so hard to live without that soul baby, you know, that child that you were attached to in that way. And I'm, I'm so sorry. And how is Ricky's dad doing? Just like me. Just like you. You guys are both sharing this horrible grief. Yeah. Is it affecting your relationship? We've never really came out and accused, you know, like, because I've gotten that question, you know. Well, just losing a child in general can affect your relationship, but the dynamics of this situation could make it especially difficult. From when Phoenix passed away and the detectives were talking to us, we would just lay there and be like, why? What? You know, just some questions, you know, like, how did this happen? And then when it ended up being Ricky, then the puzzle pieces started falling in place, you know, like, this is why he did that, or this is why this happened. But I've never put any blame on anybody. I wouldn't. He just was that person that had known somebody that did so. We feel like if there's somebody to blame, it's not Ricky. This was not his intent. But there are people out there that are intentionally making fake pills and giving people fentanyl when they don't ask for fentanyl, when they don't know that they're taking fentanyl. And that's where the blame lies. Right. And so many, so many people are out there doing that. I mean, the pills are flooding this country and lace drugs and fake pills and all of it. You can't afford to take anything that you didn't get from a pharmacy. From a pharmacy, yes. Drug dealers are mixing fentanyl, a synthetic opioid that can be a hundred times more potent than morphine, into all kinds of drugs. This is one of the main reasons why drug deaths are at record-breaking levels. And then you have to ask the question, why would someone sell a product that would kill its consumers? We spoke with Scott Silverman during a recent podcast. The former drug dealer now helps families in crisis navigate the road to recovery. He's also written the book, The Opioid Epidemic, What You Don't Know Will Destroy Your Family and Your Life. And now, because the methamphetamine manufacturers don't want to, I'm going to put this in business terms, don't want to lose the market share to fentanyl, they're lacing their products with fentanyl. Why do the drug dealers lace everything with fentanyl? And I say, well, one of the reasons is is that it's cheap and easy and it gets people addicted fast if they survive. There's a common understanding that fentanyl is a poison and the morbidity rate continues and people are on the news about the overdose. The line's out the door because when it hits the news, people who haven't thought about it are now engaging in being a new consumer. And so for them, morbidity is a marketing tool that you can never find a way to develop. And I'm trying to frame it in a way where people are going, wait, that makes no sense. Well, actually think about it. Yes, it does. You know, the key to marketing is make something that people need and has have to replace often. I mean, that's the sales basis, one of the first, you know, commandments of sales. That's how you build a business. And there are people who, you know, have billion dollar infrastructures that see, and by the way, we're the consumer. The United States is the major consumer. So it's not hard to figure out where they need to bring their products. 
That's why Shannon and her sister Angel want to raise awareness about the severity of the nation's drug epidemic. I realize that it's not just, you know, a, a specific age bracket. Like, this is something that affects Well, it's you know, young all people, ages, though, too. It's, it's mostly young, young people. people. I mean, you start 16 to 40, yeah. you know. And those young people, and I mean, God love them, but including Phoenix's friends, they think they're invincible, and it's the it's never going to happen to me scenario. And we met lots of people who love Phoenix at her funeral and in the days after her death. and. I'm not sure even seeing what happened to their friend has necessarily changed their behaviors. And I think that is the challenge we face. I mean, people can talk about how do we get these drugs off the streets and how do we, you know, stop this market of fake pills, but also how do we stop kids from buying them? You have to end the demand. Yes. The demand. And and I think you're right. Kids see someone die, even. And if they're addicted, they don't really care, first of all. But if they're not addicted and they just are experimenting, they just don't think it's going to happen to them. Yes. So it's usually those two things. and Because that's exactly what happened to Phoenix. I mean, she never wanted fentanyl in this case. But she also never believed that she would buy something from somebody and it would kill her like it did. Right. Well... It's a heavy story, and it's a lot to bear. It's a big burden for you to walk around on this planet with. Do you have any idea what you want to do with it from here? And I know you're so early in the grieving process, so I don't expect you to have, yeah, you know, you're... I'm still wanting to be with her, so... Yes, and that will, but that will never really end. You'll always want to be with her, but you will start to accept the fact that you're not. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> oh. I'm sure you want Phoenix to be remembered. Yeah, yes. How would you like her to be remembered? She loved her. Her four dogs were my grandbabies. (laughs) She had four dogs and a cat. Before she bought her house, she talked about, well, Mom, maybe I'll just move in and save some money. I'm like, yeah, but them yipper yappers aren't coming to my house. (laughs) She's like, they're your grandkids. You can't talk talk to them like that. So a a huge love for animals. Yes. Well, I think that Phoenix had a huge love for everybody. Yes, she did. Like, she loved with all of her heart. Yes. And always, always wanted to be there to support people and let them know that she cared about them. And always, always was looking for that in return. You know, she was always looking to share love and be loved. It sounds like the world lost a beautiful soul. Yes, we did. Well, I want to thank you for sharing this story. As hard as it is to hear, you're right, unless we talk about it more and more, and unless everyone has knowledge of how dangerous it is to take a pill, these kinds of tragedies are going to keep happening. You guys are not alone. You know that. Yeah, we know that. Now, we no. didn't know that. Is that <laughs> when it happened? We didn't know what it, I, I had no idea. Until it touches your life. Until Yes, exactly. Like my husband was going through cancer treatment and when he was having radiation, they were like, well, we're going to give you some painkillers. We'll give you a little bit of fentanyl. And I was like, you mean the stuff that killed Prince? What? You know, so like that's what I knew about fentanyl. 
just eight months ago, <laughs> a year ago. And what a horrible way to have to learn all and the now, details about yeah. it. And yeah. now we know that it's not just something that is killing musicians and is used in medical treatment, but is out on the streets killing unsuspecting people. Right, right. Well, thank you for having the courage to share the story. Thank you. I know it will touch a lot of people, and I just really appreciate meeting both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Next week, we'll continue our coverage from the DEA conference on fentanyl. Hear from the parents of a 19-year-old who was a talented athlete, musician, an honor student, but made the deadly mistake of buying what he thought was a Percocet from a drug dealer on Snapchat. Instead, it was fentanyl, and it killed him. The couple is issuing a warning to all parents. If you found value in this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a positive review and share it with your friends and family. You can also find other Grieving Out Loud podcasts, along with resources for help for substance use disorder, on our website, emilyshope.charity. Until next time, wishing you faith, hope, and courage.